biology. 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 Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we're continuing to look at the dot point investigate the various mechanisms used by organisms to maintain their internal environment within tolerance limits, including and specifically internal coordination systems that allow homeostasis to be maintained, including hormones and neural pathways. Now this one um, has two parts to it. So it says we're looking at including hormones and neural pathways to maintain homeostasis. Now we have already looked at hormones that maintain homeostasis. Specifically, we looked at the role of uh, glucose regulation in the body, um, looking at the role of the pancreas and the role of glucagon and insulin and how they regulate um, down or up the uh, changing sugar levels in the body. So that's a really good example of hormones that you could give as an example. Now, if you want another example um, how we maintain homeostasis using hormones, you can look at the earlier podcasts on spermatogenesis and the production of eggs, and they're all related to feedback mechanisms in order to maintain set levels. And so just go back and listen to those episodes if you want some more details on alternate hormones. Now, it does specifically mention uh, hormones and neural pathways. So it's important probably to mention that hormones travel in the blood. And a hormone is usually a protein, but they can actually be lipids as well. And depending on where they're going, they will activate different pathways and they can move around in different ways. So for instance, the protein hormones can't simply move through the membrane layer of the cell, whereas lipid hormones can. And so if we talk about different pathways, hormones move in the blood and they move relatively slowly, um, but they're long lasting. So that's just some extra points to remember there. Now, I think with this dot point and specifically referring to the old syllabus, neural pathways really opens up for what we can actually talk about here. So when we talk about neural pathways, we're really talking about the cells responsible for transmitting messages to and from certain parts of our body. So I think personally, we need to go into detail here and look at how a neuron works the specific details of the action potential um, and how those messages uh, move to and from where they need to be. And so we're going to start today by looking at a neuron and the different parts. And so if you have a diagram of a neuron, you can follow along with me. I'll upload some images to the classroom as well that you can check out if you'd like. So what is a neuron? Well, as I said before, it's a specialized cell that is used in the body to distribute messages. They are unique in their shape. They have uh, many different attributes. But if you've seen uh, a neuron or you're looking at a diagram, you'll know what I'm talking about. So at one end, we're going to start at the left-hand side of the diagram I'm looking at. We have these bushy extensions. They look like the uh, branches of a tree. Uh, and they're called the dendrites. And they sort of branch out everywhere, connecting all different neurons together. So like an interconnected section of the neuron. Now, those dendrites are all connected to the main body of the neuron. And that's called the soma, the cell body. Now, inside that cell body is a nucleus, and the nucleus is obviously the control center for any cell. 
And the genes that have been switched on for this particular cell are those that regulate the movement of electrochemical messages. Now, along the length of the neuron, so the, the bushy extensions attached to the main body, there is a long, thin strand coming off the end. And that long, thin strand is known as the axon, and that goes all the way down to the axon terminals. And this is really where we talk about the message being sent along this axon. Now you have a number of these in your body that can be many different lengths. The longest I believe goes from the base of your spine to the end of your foot or your toe uh, and can be up to and over a meter long. So these axons can be quite long. Now the axon is wrapped in a very special coating called myelin and we call the coating specifically the myelin sheath. And you can think about these as like little white marshmallows that fit along the length of the axon and they have a very specific role of basically speeding up the message. You want the message to, instead of traveling down the entire length of the, of the neuron, you want the message to skip over certain parts. So we'll talk about that in a minute too. Now, in between the myelin sheath, you have the nodes of Ranvier, or Ranvier, as you might say it in Australia. Um, and those nodes are the places where the message is going to skip to. Um, so it's going to skip over each of the myelin marshmallows and land in the nodes and then skip to the next one. And so a neuron is really just like a wire. A wire transmits electrical signals to and from a certain place. Our neuron can do the same. Now, it doesn't work on the same principles of electrons moving, but there are a few bits and pieces moving and there are some positive and negative charges involved. Now, as we move down to the end of the axon, as I said before, there is the axon terminals um, and they're going to be basically almost connected to the next neuron and there's going to be a gap in between the two that we call a synapse. And the synapse is where we're going to learn about these special chemicals called neurotransmitters that basically jump the gap and start the next chemical message to move on. So make sure you understand what a neuron looks like and the basic functions. So with the neuron, it obviously transmits messages around the body, but they are very small and very thin. And so they don't carry much information per neuron. So what do we do? We bundle these all up. And these are what we call nerves, a bunch of neurons all put together, wrapped in connective tissue and blood vessels is what you guys would know as a nerve. And these nerves, as you might know, are very important. They're the things that transmit all of the messages and all the signals to and from where they need to go. So nerves are really the bundles of axons all stretching out through your body, distributing those messages. Now we have a few different types of neurons in the body. We have sensory neurons and the sensory neurons have basically like a little sense organ at one end. Um, almost you can think about any kind of sense that we use. We have, you know, pressure receptors or thermoreceptors and their job is to detect the change and then distribute that message somewhere where it can be interpreted and turned into something else. We also have connector neurons or interneurons and those are the neurons that are in between, you know, sending messages to and from certain places in the brain. We also have motor neurons and these are the most common ones and the one that I was just describing before that we will refer to in biology. And so a motor neuron has the function of causing your, uh, your body to move, so the, the motor functions that we have. And some of you may have heard of a motor neuron disease where these motor neurons degrade over time and so you, you lose certain functions 
And unfortunately, in, in a lot of cases, it's it's the majority of functions that control the body. But I believe in about 10% of cases, the major organs can still function. As you may know, for Stephen Hawking, he was able to still use you know the functions of his of his brain and and his organs, but he couldn't speak or move in the same way that he could before. Now, one more thing to mention: um, quickly looking back at that myelin sheath, the wrapping that goes around the neuron. If you have a genetic condition known as MS or multiple sclerosis, that's where that myelin gets damaged. And so that degradation of the myelin means that you no longer send messages as quickly and as efficiently. They're a bit disjointed. And so, as I said before, the myelin, those little marshmallows that sit around your axon, their job is to really help speed up that message and allow it to jump from node to node. Okay? But if it's damaged, it obviously doesn't travel as efficiently and therefore you get mixed messages or, or incorrect interpretation of those messages. All right, so that's the structure and function of neurons and nerves. Now we're going to take a closer look at the action potential, which is the movement of the message down the neuron. And I think this relates directly to the pathway specifically. So this is relatively complicated. And again, we're going to go into probably a small amount of detail, not extra detail. So, you know, you can do more research on this and investigate the process more thoroughly, but I'm just going to give you an overview today. So it does make sense to think about this kind of like electricity traveling down a wire, but there are a few key differences. So first of all, um, a neuron can only send a message in one direction. And so we have neurons that send a message, uh, say, to your spine, and then neurons that send it back to where it needs to go. But it won't ever go back and forward down the same neuron. They only send messages in one direction. Now, just like electricity works off positive and negative charges, the principles around the neuron work in the same way. So to start off, the inside of the neuron has an overall negative charge. There's more things that are negative inside the neuron. And on the outside of that neuron, there are more positive charges. And so just like a magnet, the positive want to get to the negative. But there is a membrane in the way. And that membrane is what's going to control the movement of this message. So an overall negative charge inside the neuron and an overall positive charge outside. And this creates a potential, a potential difference in which the body wants to equalize. Remember, the body hates a gradient. It does not like things that are not in balance. It wants to maintain homeostasis. So we exploit this mechanism in the neurons in order to transmit messages efficiently. So let's start off with an example. And the example I always give is relatively simple. Let's say you touch something very hot with your finger. Now, when you touch something very hot with your finger, you would know that very quickly you move your hand away. And that movement is all caused by your body interpreting the signals and reacting to it. Now, what's actually happening is the neurons in your fingers actually have thermoreceptors that are sending a message directly to your spine, not your brain, your spine, and your spine is controlling your reflex action. This saves you time from going to the brain, and it's also much quicker. And so what happens is the message goes from your finger to your spine. Your spine says, oh my goodness, that is very hot. Please move your finger, but it does that much quicker. And then you rapidly lift your finger off. Now, a few you know, milliseconds later, your brain also gets that message that that was hot, and you start to interpret that as pain. And so you might feel it, if it's hot enough, as pain. But let's now take a look at what actually happened inside the neuron. 
So, as I said before, the overall resting membrane potential inside the neuron is negative. And it actually has a number. We actually give it a number and we use a graph to explain this. And again, it would make much more sense if you have an image in front of you when I'm describing this. So the usual resting membrane potential inside a neuron is negative 70 millivolts. And that's just the unit that we give for the overall charge. And so as it's at minus 70 to start, what's going to happen when you touch that very hot thing is the signal will be so strong in those thermoreceptors in your finger that it will pass the message's threshold. And a threshold is a point where as soon as your sensors have detected that there is this change, they will send the message no matter what. It's an all or nothing system. And so when you touch something hot, what's actually happening is that negative charge is starting to go slightly positive. There are some movement of ions. And if those ions move enough to get past the threshold, and we usually say the threshold is at about minus 55 millivolts, but it can change depending on the diagram. So we've gone from minus 70 to around minus 55. If it gets past that threshold, you are then going to send a signal, an action potential. You're going to do something. And that signal in this case is sending a message to your spine to go back to your finger to lift it up. And so once it passes that minus 55 millivolts that I spoke about, it's then the job of that membrane to regulate the movement. And so let's go back to our neuron now looking at our diagram. It's overall negative on the inside and overall positive on the outside. Well, all along the length of the neuron, we have these gates and they're called ion channels or ion gates, they get called sometimes. And they actually control what's allowed in and out. And what do you think they're going to let in when we want to send a message? That's right, the positive ions are going to move in. Just like magnets want to equalize, the positive is going to want to move into the negative. And that's exactly what happens when the action potential starts. These ion gates will open up. Now what's actually moving into the cell is sodium ions, Na+. And these Na plus ions just float around the outside of our membrane waiting to get in. I've got a great meme for this as well. They just want to get inside. And so when these channels open up, they rush in. They rush in very quickly. And what happens to the cell is we say it depolarizes. It actually goes more and more positive on the inside until eventually it goes very positive. It actually gets up to about plus 30 in terms of its overall millivolt charge, and that's depolarization. Now remember, this is just happening at one of those gates, the first channel, and all the way down the neuron, there are hundreds or thousands of these ion channels to allow the sodium to rush in. So we're just looking at the first gate, okay? Now that first gate has opened up, causing those positive ions to rush in and causing the overall charge inside to move up to plus 30. So it's gone very positive inside. And what that does is it actually causes the next gate to start to open as well. And just like a chain reaction happens, it causes the next gate and the next gate and the next gate. And that is going to be our signal moving down the length of our axon. Now the ion channel has to go back to its normal state. It can't actually just remain open the whole time. Otherwise, how could you send another message? 
Well, what it's going to do is it's going to repolarize now. And so a bunch of stuff is going to happen, but basically a lot of those positive ions are going to be pushed back out um, and then negative ions are going to move back into the space. And so it's going to repolarize. In other words, we're going to go back to having an overall negative charge on the inside. Now, as our body isn't a robotic system, it's not perfect. Unfortunately, it overshoots going back to negative. In other words, it has to wait just a little bit longer for the positive to move away and the negative to come back. And so we say it hyperpolarizes, hyper too much polar. So it goes too negative. It actually dips below negative 70 for a little while and then it comes back up. And this all takes about, you know, four milliseconds. So very small amount of time for this ion gated channel to open. Now, once that's happened, the membrane can go again. It can send another message. And the quicker these gates open up consecutively, the more intense the message. So if you touch something extremely hot, those ion gated channels are going to continually start opening and closing as quick as possible. So you can send the most intense message to your spine and back to your finger to move your finger off the hot thing. And so when you send messages around the body, it's all about the intensity. You know, if you touch something warm, your body might move your finger, it might not. And that's because those channels don't all open up consecutively. They're just, you know, opening up over a slower period of time. The message isn't as intense. So just to reiterate one more time, the inside of the neuron is overly negative, around negative 70. And if you interpret a signal that is strong enough, that is it goes over the negative 55 millivolt threshold, you will set off the action potential. And the action potential is the opening of those ion channels, the flooding in of the sodium, the depolarization, that's going from negative to positive, the depolarization of that neuron. Then once all of the ions have flooded in, the next gate will open and the next gate and the next gate in a chain reaction. But the gate we're talking about will then repolarize. So the positives will move away and the negatives will move back. It will overshoot a little bit. It will hyperpolarize, as in it will be overly negative. And then it will go back to its resting membrane potential for the next stimulus to set off the chain reaction. And so that is an overview of the action potential, the movement of these positive ions in and out of a neuron in order to send a signal to where it needs to go. Now, once it's reached the end of that axon, as I said before, we have the axon terminals and there's a small gap in between each neuron. So the axon terminal and the next dendrites have a gap called the synapse. Now to bridge that gap at the synapse, we have neurotransmitters. And the neurotransmitters are just chemical signals that jump from one axon terminal to the synapse to set off the next chain reaction or action potential. So just keep that in mind. Now, as with all of this, it's much easier to understand with some visuals. So do check out the Facebook page to see what I'm talking about when I'm explaining these things. And as always, guys, make sure you check out STEM Reactor at stemreactor.com.au if you want to get some cool biotech gear at your school. That's stemreactor.com.au. And if you want to help support the show by buying me a coffee, you can always head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash hscbiologypod uh, to keep me going. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time.